HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The Line is sponsored by Pop Menu, which helps turn first-time guests into regulars for your restaurant. For a limited time, get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash hrn. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. It's a better egg made from plants. Bring more customers in your doors with Just Egg. Start with a free sample at ju.st slash HRN. This week on Meet and 3, we're jumping into a world filled with fizz, iridescence, and deliciousness. We're talking about bubbles. It came from the air gas truck. Yeah, no, I never thought about it before that. And I think it's emerged as a bulbous tea shops, a site of Asian American youth uh, identity building. We're called the invisible industry because these products you don't really see, but they're around us in every way, um, every day. Listen to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, welcome to The Line. This is Eli Sussman. Just a quick note before this episode, I am working on a future episode of The Line and I want to speak to you if you are a front of house or back of house who has either been working or not working during the past year plus of the COVID pandemic, if you were fired or furloughed or decided to leave the hospitality industry or take a break, I want to hear your story about what the last year has been like for you. If you are willing to share your story and you'd like to speak to me, you can get in touch with me by emailing theline at heritageradionetwork.org, or you can send me a DM on Instagram to the Sussmans, which is T-H-E-S-U-S-S-M-A-N-S. I would love to hear from you, to connect with you, and be able to potentially share your story on a future episode of The Line. Now on to this previous episode of The Line recorded, business owners, restaurateurs, chefs talking about their experiences previously during the COVID pandemic. It's a two-part, in their own words, episode. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to hearing from you. Please reach out. Be safe. Thanks again. On to the episode. Last week... As restaurants were pivoting and shutting down, I reached out and asked chefs and business owners from around the country 
to send in their stories of how they are dealing with the COVID-19 crisis. The restaurant industry has changed so dramatically over the last week that it is now a shadow of what it once was. Most businesses have closed outright. Some have pivoted. Chefs, owners, and staff wonder if they will make it through this pandemic and if they will ever open their doors again. And this crisis cripples the entire hospitality ecosystem. Farmers, butchers, foragers, linen companies, florists, cleaners, factories, truck drivers. While most people are sitting alone in their homes in self-isolation, the true living rooms of cities, the restaurants, bars, and cafes where we congregated freely without giving it a second of thought, sit dark and quiet. What you don't really think about until it's taken away is that our desire as humans to gather is so strong. When our need for a community and a place to share emotions right now exists only in the digital realm via FaceTime, Instagram, and Zoom, we realize that restaurants, cafes, and bars are the places that really hold our society together. When you're out with your coworkers for a happy hour, on a first date to meet the person you may end up spending the rest of your life with, or you celebrate birthdays, promotions, engagements, weddings, and anniversaries. The place where all the personal and family milestones of your life happen. And it is a family of hospitality workers, the bartenders, bussers, bakers, cooks, porters, servers, psalms, hosts, and chefs that invite you each night into the home they've created so you can create those milestones and savor those memories. And that family has been decimated by this crisis. Millions of jobs have disappeared overnight and people that rely on a weekly paycheck, that rely on a daily family meal for sustenance, that rely on the generosity of tips, are without income, all soon to be without health care, and isolated from their second family and second home. In this special episode of The Line, chefs and restaurant owners from around the nation, in their own words, about the last week of their personal and professional lives and the excruciating decisions they've had to make in the wake of the ever-changing corona crisis and the extreme havoc it has wreaked on the hospitality industry. These stories were recorded on phones and computers from within shuttered businesses and from people's homes where they are already isolating. It offers their direct insight into the current crisis. Hey, it's Steven Satterfield here at Miller Union in Atlanta, Georgia. Our restaurant has turned into a crisis center for our employees. We're here for them as we all go through such a terrible realization that the restaurant industry is going to be changed forever. We're basically converted our, our hub to a to-go only to try to sell off some of the precious food that we have here in our cooler, in our dry storage, a lot of it from local farms and purveyors that we really care about deeply and love. And we also want to make sure they're not forgotten in this conversation about restaurants. <clears throat> All of our seafood providers and our local farms and our cheese makers and our grain millers, everybody's coming to a halt. And we're all trying to navigate what's next. But for now, we're just doing our part to eliminate the food waste that could potentially happen here. For next week, we're not quite sure what the future holds. And so we're just taking it day by day, hour by hour. And we're trying to take 
the best care of our employees that we can. They are welcome to come inside and grab things that they need. We have a lot of resources here that we can offer to them for the time being. And we have a support network that we've set up with everyone's email address. So we have a way to all communicate. We have lots of toilet paper. (laughs) But yeah, we are also doing a lot of research on how to get tax cuts and emergency aid from the government for our business and for our employees. And so we can find some kind of fast track for them to collect unemployment until we're up and running again. If we're up and running again, we plan to be up and running again, but it's a very uncertain time. And as everyone has said, we're in uncharted waters, uncharted territory. We've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. My name is Alex Reich. I'm a mother, a chef, a restaurant owner with my husband of four restaurants that employ approximately, or up until a few days ago, employed approximately uh, 65 really amazing individuals. Um, We're living in in a very difficult time. It is for sure hard to know that the choices we're making now are absolutely the right choices. Uh, We are people who have always taken risk, uh, but it's certainly something that we've taken upon ourselves and we don't want to impose risk on other people. It's also hard to know if you're supporting people in the right way. Uh, It's very stressful to tell your employees um, that we think that the best way to support them is to send them links for unemployment so that they can qualify for the maximum benefits. I think as cooks, we're always trying to sort of cook our way out of crisis. Uh, We cook for charities. We cook when we're happy. We cook (laughs) when we're sad. Sometimes we cook with rage. And um, right now, we're not really allowed to do those things, at least not outside of our families. I have been making beautiful food for my family and Um, I don't make it as a salve. I make it because I need to, because my kids are home. But what I'm noticing is that I haven't done this for my children, and they're 8 and 10 years old. I have been cooking for other people in exchange for approval, money, and community my whole life. And I have not done this for my beautiful little kids and the way that they are appreciating it is quite remarkable the way they are tasting new things that they were opposed to tasting before is uh, really eye-opening and what it's telling me is that uh, cooking together within your family or within your household is such an incredibly important thing Uh, Eli I hope you guys are well I know that we are going to weather the storm And I thank you for documenting um, all of this stuff. The last time I remember doing anything like this actually was when I was about 14 or 15 years old and we made a time capsule around my dinner table. And my dad told us to all put in a box what we thought we would be doing. And I said, I'm going to own a small restaurant or cafe. So here I am 
I have four, um, and they're empty. And it feels empty uh, to not have anything to do um, at this time uh, in those spaces. But I assure you that we are planning on coming back, and uh, we're doing everything we can right now to prepare for that. Hello everybody out there. My name is Andy Holliday. I'm the chef and partner of Selden Standard Restaurant in Detroit. Um, quarantine at the moment in my at my home, at our home in Detroit uh, with my, my beautiful wife, my three-year-old daughter, and my my brother. And uh, yeah, we, we just started our proper quarantine um, yesterday. We've been practicing our distancing for the last few days as we've been closing down the restaurant. Yeah, so it's uh, it's Thursday, March nineteenth. Um, it was just about eight days ago uh, where we felt the immediate impact of this crisis. It was that Wednesday, last week Wednesday, where our business essentially was just kind of really cut in half on that first day, and uh, you know, well, in less than a week, uh, this a uh, couple of days, a few days ago on Monday, we we uh, we were forced to close our doors. Uh, and it's just crazy. It's just crazy to think how rapidly, how quickly this thing has moved and and how my my day to day, how my uh, my thinking on it's been um, where I was, you know, early last week thinking, oh, well, maybe we'll uh, we'll do some carry out and uh, change our business model to today where where quarantine is, is necessary. So yeah, my my business partner, Evan and I, we're, we're now faced with this this harsh reality of just laying off 75 amazing people, you know, our bank account draining and our life life's work uh come to an end uh with with no certainty that it'll ever come back. Um, you know, we've been uh Selden Sanders been open for about 5 years. You know, we opened in the middle of this at the end of this bankruptcy in Detroit. Um, we've been really fortunate over the last 5 years to create this wonderful community with our staff all of our farmers, vendors, all the patrons um, every day, so many great regulars, um, people traveling all over the world who've come and just kind of shared in what we do. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sad for all of them. I miss all of them and, you know, really, really concerned with uh, potentially losing all that. And I know it's not healthy to, to go there, to, to think and dwell in the future and the, the what-ifs or the worst-case scenarios. Um, so I'm just trying to take it uh, day by day, live in the moment, um, and try to remain positive. I hope everyone else out there can try to do the same. This is Dave Mancini from Sapino Pizzeria. I just shut the restaurant down today. We have a lot of employees that are members of multi-generational families living in their households, uh, great aunts, great uncles, grannies, grandfathers, and I didn't want many of my staff to have to do that mental calculus every day about whether they wanted to risk that 
coming into work, uh, deciding that they were, you know, really needed to make the money and then putting their families at risk. And it, w- it was a little too much for me to contemplate uh, as an owner and uh, somebody who cares for the guys that work for me. So I opted to shut down despite the fact that a lot of people said, you're a pizza shop, you're the kind of business that's amenable to more of, uh, you know, a carryout delivery model. Uh, given the nature of things right now, I'd rather err on the side of caution. I myself have a young daughter, six month old, and my folks are uh, elderly, I would say now. So uh, I have to just shut everything down and basically just take things a step at a time and hope that we can piece together a plan. I'm going to be able to make payroll for my last uh, couple weeks here, but uh, going forward, it's going to be pretty touch and go. And based on the um, assistance and things that uh, come from local and federal government to uh, piece together something that will allow me to continue uh, doing something with these guys. So Governor Whitmer's initiative to essentially have forgiveness of the unemployment penalties for a business uh, allowed me to lay my guys off so that uh, they could claim unemployment and I let them know as much and we're acting on that. So that gave me some peace of mind that my guys will at least have some cash flow. Uh, I'm looking into bank loans where I could uh, potentially get a few couple dollars here and there to try to piece together uh, paying for insurance plans for the guys so they can continue on their insurance. But uh, right now it's just, uh, I'm glad I took up meditating about eight or nine months ago. Uh, It's helping me stay somewhat focused on taking care of what I can and letting the rest, uh, you know, deal with it as I need to. Hello, my name is Hannah Jacobs. I own and operate Baby Dudes with my partner, Tolly. Uh, Baby Dudes is located in Crown Heights. It's a 19-seat cafe and coffee shop. Uh, We opened January 19th of 2000... Sorry, January 1st of 2019. We were just headed into our second year open as this uh, pandemic has hit, um, forcing us to close. Some of the overwhelming feelings are disappointment and a little bit of, uh, like, all of the work and effort and time and heartache and sweat that we put into the last year is kind of in vain. Um, Mostly just because, you know, having all of that momentum and feeling like a success and then kind of hitting this huge hiccup um, that has, you know, really affected all of our communities, um, our employees, uh, you know, our families, even though, you know, my parents are in California, they're incredibly upset and sad that, you know, all of the things that Natalia and I have done this year, um, as a, at, at a, you know, um, kind of like to the, to the detriment of, of other things that we might have been able to do in our personal lives have like, you know, kind of hit this, this wall in a way. Um, And additionally, it's just kind of disappointing that as a small business, we're forced to make this decision as opposed to, you know, our government deciding, hey, you know what, like, it's not safe for people to be outside and spending money in the ways that uh, small businesses require to stay open um, and that they will take care of us. But I understand that it's a really complex issue. And obviously, that's me thinking about myself. Um, 
and my peers primarily. Um, I know there's a ton of folks that need services right now. Um, and it's just kind of uh, indicative of how broken our systems are. So, you know, so yeah, that's, that's my thoughts and my feelings. Um, and I just hope everyone the best. All right, stay safe. All we want to do is try and help our staff survive this period. It's also really an uncertain and frustrating time because we just don't know what's next. We don't know when we'll get help. We don't know if we'll get help. And I know that sounds so drastic, but I guess it is. We're sitting here in a situation where we were mandated to close down because of this health issue. And yet the government isn't smart enough to really close places down, to fully close us down and keep people inside so we could be done with this and go back to work in a month from now, period. Instead, they'll just let us keep dragging this on and people that we're trying to do the right thing will suffer. And then you have the people that just don't seem to care. I tried to tell somebody that we work with a vendor that we won't be able to pay their service because we're going to be closed. And they didn't seem to be concerned that we were closed, only that we still needed to pay. So all these things become a never-ending frustration because we just don't know where to begin to check things off the box in order to move forward. Hopefully at some point we can. And I know that the places that do manage to reopen... We'll have a very long uphill battle, but I believe they will probably operate smarter than ever. This is Marina from Paper Plastic Cafe in LA. Uh, we're a family-owned neighborhood all-day cafe open seven days a week from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. We'll be 10 this year in August if we make it there. We have spent the weekend in emergency meetings and today after Mayor Garcetti's ordinance last night that all restaurants move exclusively to takeout or delivery, um, we had to institute last-minute measures to cut hours. We cut about four of our staff today, which is 30%, and uh, tomorrow I've had to cut an additional two. Um, We have lost between 60 to 75% of our sales starting on Thursday. Uh, Today has been the worst day yet. We are prepared to close in full, but the only reason we're staying open is for our staff. And yeah, we have literally, we tried to plan for the week, but we just have a day-to-day plan. We're going to see how dinner goes tonight, if we get any takeout or delivery orders. Luckily, we made it through the day-to-day because we had one really big lunch order of 40 items. The only reason we made it through today is that one order. 
Uh, we'll see how tomorrow and Wednesday go. We have a short-term plan in effect to try to remain open for takeout or delivery all day. Um, but everybody's under directives to keep cutting back hours if, if we're just losing money in those hours. I had conversations with everybody today about UI and unemployment insurance benefits. Um, my back-of-house cooks were completely unfamiliar with the process. They'd never filed unemployment before, and they didn't really believe it. They said that their, at their other jobs, their employers hadn't agreed to pay unemployment insurance, um, so they don't even have the information about what they're eligible for. Um, I printed out over 100 pages of, of unemployment information in English and Spanish to pass out to them, both FAQs and literally just the website, the unemployment benefits website, so that they had all the information if for whatever reason they couldn't access it on the web. Um, I was frightened to communicate any of this to them, but they were just so generous with me um, because I was terrified. I was terrified that they would lose their faith in us if we told them that we were cutting hours. Um, but instead, they were all just comforting me and telling me that they understood and that it will all be okay. <laughs> they were comforting me. We're going to take a quick break. Stick with us here on Heritage Radio. We'll be right back. Introducing Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. Pop Menu features an all-in-one toolkit for restaurant owners with dynamic menu design, online and contactless ordering, automated remarketing, website hosting, and more. It gives full control back to restaurant tours. Through Pop Menu's website or Pop Menu for Owners mobile app, you can interact directly with feedback, select which reviews are shown, and make real-time updates to the menu. Its online and contactless ordering has no commissions, no setup fees, and one unchanging lifetime rate. For me, I always check reviews before choosing a restaurant, and as a consumer, I'm more likely to choose a place that has photos and reviews. If you're a restaurant owner, you need Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you lock one unchanging monthly rate in. Go to popmenu.com hrn. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash hrn. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based consumers in your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn made from plants just egg is a better egg for you and for the planet it's healthier with no cholesterol and less saturated fat and it's more sustainable just egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions most importantly it's delicious for our listeners who operate a food service establishment you can get a sample for free head to 
ju.st slash hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also frozen, pre-baked, folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andreas calls Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, It's so good, I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st slash hrn. Welcome to part two of a special episode of The Line covering the COVID-19 crisis. I'm your host, Eli Sussman, chef and co-owner of Samisa Restaurant in Williamsburg. Now nearly a month into the COVID-19 pandemic, with infection numbers soaring and new cities being affected daily, the fate of the entire hospitality industry remains precarious and the outlook appears catastrophic. The majority of restaurants, bars, and cafes nationwide have closed. During the week ending March 21st, over 3.2 million people filed unemployment claims in the United States. This was five times higher than any week previously in our nation's history. For many, unemployment assistance will not match their pre-COVID wage. And for those who are undocumented, an even greater challenge awaits, since undocumented workers could be ineligible for stimulus checks and unemployment benefits. The hospitality industry comprises over 16 million people, and much, if not all of them, will be put on unemployment during this crisis. Millions of them did not have health care before, and now as the world fights one of the largest health crises ever, we have left our most vulnerable unprotected. The uncertainty of the ever-lengthening timeline is the new invisible enemy. Business owners, accustomed to weathering the cyclical nature of seasonal sales, the roller coaster of small business ownership, familiar with navigating the local bureaucracy of permits, filings, payments, and regulations, have been introduced to a whole new series of monumental challenges. In February, it was prep lists, invoices, and payroll. Now it's understanding federal stimulus bills, connecting with local government relief programs, negotiating with landlords, lobbying politicians, converting restaurants to free meal sites to feed out-of-work neighbors, and forming coalitions to enhance and focus public pleas for financial assistance. In this episode, more stories from chefs and owners still processing what has happened to their businesses since the emergence of COVID-19. Stories of worrying about the future and of lacking personal purpose, and stories of hoping for survival. Stories of energizing the industry to come together and to fight for its own existence. The first audio you'll hear is from Akhtar Nawab, a chef and owner with locations and projects in New York City, New Orleans, D.C., and Omaha, Nebraska. So we laid off roughly 60-some-odd employees. So we have... Um, a pretty young business. It's about three years, I would say, in total. A um, little more, three and a half. But we've we've actually expanded fairly rapidly. And besides restaurants, we also manage food halls. Um, one in Omaha, coming up in Chicago, for example, a few restaurants, etc., in different cities. But all across the platform, that's about 60 employees. That there's very little I can do for. Um, at this time, 
a lot of the people who work for us, and you included, and a lot of our peers, kind of need immediate help. You know, they, they really do live, you know, even more regularly than check to check, more like day to day. Um, and that's tough to, to turn to them. These people have, have gainfully employed for many years um, to say we don't have work for them. Um, one of the most important things about my job is, I guess, I consider myself an employer, which I am, but it's a proud part of my job um, is to employ these people um, and, and, and feel good knowing that they're able to take care of themselves and their families with the work that we have for them, and we're lucky to have it. Uh, so when it's taken away... Um, in kind of the capacity it has been, it feels like you've been stripped of something very meaningful. Um, and that's hard to, to accept in a lot of ways. We closed all our businesses, so all in that's, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six places all together. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a little bit luckier than some, I guess. I'm able to work from home on some of the projects that are still forthcoming. Um, but it's it's not really the work that um, I can extend to others in some ways. So um, it's it's been it's been a, a very kind of difficult readjustment, and I guess I could liken it to when my restaurant closed in two thousand eight. The first time around, um, when it was gone, you have this moment of, who am I? What am I doing? Um, and I guess I kind of have having having that moment again, obviously with a little more experience than I had as a younger kid um, when I closed it the first time. But I feel like I'm having that moment again where, what am I doing? Who am I um, in a professional setting? Um, because I don't, I'm not surrounded by those same people that um, I, I have been every day for the past three and a half years and longer for some people who worked for me. You know, I'm hopeful that that our community of chefs and restaurateurs and um, friends who can identify with what we do um, can cobble together kind of a plan that hopefully in the future will be formidable and, and not derailed uh, by something like this in the future. But yeah, I'm in the same boat as everyone, I guess, so um, trying to trying to find the good in it and come out the other side of, of what we're dealing with I guess for me a better person and a better employer hopefully translates to better chef and better experience for everyone who comes in down the road The next voices you'll hear are Max Katzenberg and Greg Backstrom owners of Olmsted and Maison Yaki, who have transformed their restaurant Olmsted into a meals distribution center for South Brooklyn and also have formed the New York Hospitality Coalition. So yeah, last Sunday, we had to lay off all 60-plus employees due to COVID-19. And so we, in the beginning, we thought about trying to go to delivery only uh, at both restaurants. However, that would only really save 10 or 20% of our employees' uh, positions and uh you're still putting them in harm's way so we eventually pivoted and decided to just close the restaurants 
I mean, the restaurant industry, it's a labor of love. You know, you don't come into the restaurant industry to get rich. You, you get into that business because you have a passion for it. And it's extremely familial. You know, the, your employees and your coworkers, they really become like family and having to lay off our entire staff. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. It was, it was really the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. So since if we're going to at least, uh, uh, terminate all of our employees, we might as well at least try to do something good for the community and for them. So, um, we started a food bank. And so for the foreseeable future, Olmstead will operate as, as a place to get supplies from toilet paper to tampons to prepared meals to just some ingredients to go home and cook with. Yeah. I mean, we laid off 60 people. The industry in New York City laid off about a quarter million people. And they all have uh, food scarcity right now. I mean, they are all making sub-minimum unemployment. And to be able to turn Olmstead into a food bank that's geared towards, you know, hospitality worker relief, it's just incredibly rewarding. And uh, and we've had an outstanding response so far. You know, the, the way I kind of look at it is that we are fortunate enough to be in a position to help people. So, uh, therefore, we should. When we finally decided on that Tuesday, so on the fifth day after Friday the 13th, uh, to shut it down entirely, we sat back and we really started to feel the enormity of what we're going through as as a country. Um, and as the days went on, we realized that the government was a little disconnected with the hospitality industry operators. They didn't understand exactly what they had what the full implications of asking restaurants and bars across the state to close were. They didn't understand that 250,000 people in New York City were going to get laid off, 865,000 people in the state. And they also don't understand the cash flow of the restaurant industry, of businesses within the, the restaurant industry. Um, so what we were foreseeing was, you know, headlines of paychecks are bouncing. We we thought there could be some real um, long-term implications for for the industry if that happened. Uh, so we, we sprung to action. We were just compelled to try to bring as many operators uh, or as many people that were going to be really affected by this, which is everyone in the industry, uh, together as fast as we can. So we started on Thursday, um, and, and on Friday, uh, Governor Cuomo announced that he was going to suspend the payment. So that was really an incredible few days, and the thing has just snowballed. Uh, since then, we've had such an outpouring of support from guests, workforce, operators, you know, coalitions are popping up in other cities all around the country, and we're all collaborating, you know, hand in hand. Hi, my name is Brent Kroll. I'm the proprietor and sommelier at Maxwell Park in Washington, D.C., calling right now from my uh, condo in northeast Washington, D.C., um, coming on here to talk about uh, navigating uh, this time during the coronavirus um, trying to avoid closing and just uh, staying afloat in general. It's best right now also to establish a budget to really see kind of like this is what I have to spend per month based on these fees that I'm getting charged monthly so you don't get blindsided. You should build a budget and space it out in terms of what you need to do with to-go food, how you're running your labor, and really uh, how long you want to budget for this to go where you would be like viably able to stay afloat. Um, I think for me personally right now, budgeting between June and August is the way to go. Um, 
this industry right now, I think, is kind of being taken for granted in terms of what we do for charity, what we pay in taxes, and just that it'll be there no matter what. Um, the lower, the middle class, the entrepreneurs, all the people that kind of make this industry what this is are the people suffering the most. Um, I definitely recommend doing something like a GoFundMe. Uh, we've been able to raise almost $3,000 for our staff in uh, a couple days, which is great. We're only about a staff at 10 with about two locations. Um, doing online Insta videos and trying to give let, uh, get people to leave uh, optional gratuity is also a, uh, a great way to raise money for your people that can't work. Um, I think uh, I've been posting about this online too talking to credit card processors and trying to make sure that they don't charge you for non-chip reading card transactions if you're doing to-go. Um, restructuring your insurance during this time. A lot of places have legal minimums where you have to have a, like a minimum of a million dollars is the DC minimum. Um, talk to them about how your payroll is lowered, how your revenue is lowered, and you should be able to get your insurance either suspended or lowered. Um, your pest control contract that you legally have to have by the health department, try to get that suspended. Try to get your trash suspended. Try to get Verizon to go to a dark period or suspend it or something like that. Um, look at all these companies. If they have rentals for your equipment, trying to not just get delayed payment because that's not really going to help you in the long term, but try to get them to stop on their monthly rental fees in the meantime. And then if you have a success where you talk to a vendor and it goes well, or even if it goes poorly, um, posting about this and letting everyone know and kind of sharing this and banding together as a community. Up next, a message of hope for the future of the industry from Camilla Marcus, chef and owner of Westbourne in New York City. You know, our industry is facing an unprecedented, horrendous challenge um, with so many people's lives at stake, most importantly. And we're fighting hard. We're fighting hard to protect our teams and to hopefully reopen to take care of our communities again. And all while obviously we all face one of the greatest health crises, um, certainly of our generation across our country. The, the only silver lining for me really has been to see, um, you know, your, your soul is really tested when there are real challenges present. And for me to see, you know, our industry rise up and finally coalesce and come together in cities, in states, across the nation, independent restaurants, and the amazing, incredible, talented, and heartfelt people that take care of our public day in and day out, really fighting to be taken care of in turn and taking care of one another. It's it's really brought out just a tremendous amount of courage leadership, passion, empathy, and bravery um, on the part of so many people uh, that I've admired for so long that I care about and to hear their voices emerge, to hear them come together as one and and to see really their their courage and bravery um, to get our our industry saved and hopefully stabilized and reemerged on the other side of this. Hello, this is Whitney Otaka. I am the chef at the Greyfield Inn on Cumberland Island, Georgia. Um, I am currently uh, in a very isolated environment, which has 
proven to be a unique benefit during these strange times. So we decided um, collectively as a business to shutter for two weeks. You know, it was very interesting to make that decision. And it really was um, in order to help sort of our staff and to help the general public in, again, not spreading the disease because we are a popular place to be during this time, oddly enough, because we're so remote. Uh, Generally, Cumberland Island only has a population of about 50 people. It's a national seashore. There's no roads to Cumberland. You can only get here by boat or plane. Um, And the inn itself can only accommodate up to 32 guests. So in general, it's a fairly, fairly sort of uh, isolated place with limited contact uh, with other people. Um, so now that we're closed, uh, we're in a very uh, fortunate position where we've taken this time on as a deep cleaning. Uh, so we have allowed or asked any staff that wanted to stay on the island to stay and anyone that wanted to leave can leave. Um, the situation being that we are not running any boats back and forth between the island and the mainland, which means we're kind of stuck here. (laughs) Um, so that, that allows us to sort of keep our, our staff safe from getting any, um, contact with anyone that might have, um, the, the virus. I am uncertain. I wouldn't say I'm uh, neither, um, afraid or optimistic right now. I guess being here is interesting too because the only thing I really have access to, I can't really see the day-to-day movement of my community. I can only see this remote, beautiful island um, and read the news. You know, learning today that, you know, my home state, California, is kind of in lockdown and seeing my siblings in that situation. It leads me to a lot of uncertainty about what, what will happen. Uh, I do know that This has been very hard on a lot of my peers in the restaurant business, which is very hard to watch um, from such an insulated place. Um, But I do believe that the hospitality industry is very, very strong. And I think that we will rally and pull together and help one another. This is Nate Adler. Uh, owner, founder of Gertie in Williamsburg, a uh, restaurant on the corner of Marcy and Grand. Um, you know, this has been a real hard couple weeks, few weeks for all of us in the industry. Um, but I feel like it has also brought a lot of hope and mutual understanding and respect amongst owners and operators in the industry. Um, You know, we've been able to turn our restaurant into a soup kitchen of sorts um, through the Lee Initiative, which is an organization in Kentucky run by Chef Edward Lee. And now we're feeding over 200 people a day, hospitality workers that are out of work, as well as hospital workers and uh, the volunteers and employees of City Harvest. And, um, you know, that makes us feel really good about the ability and the power of 
um, having a place that you can bring people and feed people even in a crisis like this. Hope all is well, be safe, be healthy, and stay up. This is Eli again. While the extension of unemployment benefits will help some of those who are out of work and stimulus applications are becoming available to business owners, there is still so much to be done to help the hospitality industry and its workers. But while owners anxiously chart a new path forward, there is some help and hope for those in need of assistance and those looking for leadership. Hospitality workers are creative, resilient, and incredibly scrappy bunch. We are seeing unprecedented organization utilizing social media as a platform to disperse relevant information, share best practices, keep spirits lifted, and alert people who are food insecure about accessing free meals. Organizations like the Lee Initiative, New York Hospitality Coalition, Roar.New York, RWCFUSA, and the Independent Restaurant Coalition are all working hard to feed, advocate, and educate to aid workers and small business owners. To find out how to get involved and advocate for the hospitality industry and for up-to-date information for business owners and hospitality workers, follow me on Instagram at the Sussmans and go to heritageradionetwork.org forward slash COVID-19, where we have resources and a running list of our COVID-19 coverage. Special thanks to Dylan Hoyer for producing this episode, and of course, those who shared their stories. I'm Eli Sussman for Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for listening. The line is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners just like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.